You're listening to The Residential Movement, where the focus is on making in-home dental care normal instead of novel or niche. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Robinson, a house call dentist with a lot of passion for reaching patients who are best served in their home or residence. I'm here to encourage, equip, and empower dentists like you to begin offering in-home dental services for patients who cannot get to the office, while also enjoying a more balanced work life. We discuss everything from dentistry, business, ethics, mindset, and more. Listen in to learn how you can become a part of the residential movement. Hello there. For me, and I hear from you, that a huge element of the appeal of house call dentistry is the freedom and flexibility it provides. You can schedule appointments wherever you'd like, whenever you'd like, and there's no clock to punch or team to report to. Freedom to do what you want when you want is a freedom that few people will ever get to enjoy. So as house call dentists, we're very blessed to have that level of flexibility. But, like it or not, in order to maintain that level of freedom, we need to know how to manage our finances. It's impossible to feel free and focus on anything other than overworking, grinding, and earning when you're stressed about paying the bills. So really, your ability to manage your finances will influence the level of time freedom you have throughout your life. For many dentists, not just young dentists anymore because it's dentists of all ages, dentists have this massive student loan debt burden. Dental school leaves us with more debt than MDs, lawyers, you name it, our education costs more. And many of us, including myself, finance that, at least partially. Just last month, federal student loan repayment and interest accrual resumed following the freeze that took place during COVID. Now, during this time, you may have been aggressively paying those loans down or refinancing and then paying them down. Maybe you were using that time to save cash and get liquid, or maybe you did a little bit of both. Maybe you really don't have a financial plan. And if you don't, I'm urging you to find a financial planner. You need to get one on your team. We all need a team of professionals to help us run our businesses and our life. Financial planners, accountants, lawyers. Whether you have a financial planner or not, I wanted you all to hear from Mark Johnson on this week's episode. Mark is the founder of Student Loans Rx and Dental Wealth Rx. For over 30 years, Mark has been counseling dentists through student loan repayment in the context of a comprehensive financial plan. His perspective and knowledge is invaluable, especially during a time like this. So let's tune in to hear from Mark. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Mr. Mark Johnson, someone who knows something a little bit more maybe than you and me about our finances. Now, I know on this show, we are interested in house call dentistry as a business, and the business is the way we make this model sustainable. But it would be silly for me to think that we could all run a business without addressing our student loans. So Mr. Mark Johnson, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Ashley. Well, I'm excited to ask you some questions because this is pretty timely. In the past month here, we've seen student loans become due after a long, long pause. And so I bet your phone's probably ringing off the hook about people asking questions about what to do now. Lots of phones, more emails and texts, but yes, (laughs) lots lots of activity. Okay, great. So while I have you here, we're going to talk about some student loan topics that could probably really influence specifically house call dentists. So I want to talk about this new save plan that's come out because it looks like the save plan offers the lowest monthly payment for people who are on federal student loan plans. So what are the the pros and cons of this plan? Sure. So in the past, there were a couple of different income-driven repayment plans. You had the revised pay-as-you-earn, and then you also had pay-as-you-earn. There was an older plan called income-based repayment. So Up until recently, there were potentially three income-driven repayment plans that I would say student borrowers had, and then there was another one for parents, okay? And so 
during this whole conversation about student loan forgiveness and, you know, the whole political football back and forth on that topic, the Department of Education came up with a, a new plan called the SAVE plan, saving on a valuable education is what that acronym stands for. And so essentially what they've done is they've merged the revised pay-as-you-earn plan and the pay-as-you-earn plan will go away next year into this new save plan. So for graduates coming up in 2024 or later, they're going to have one income-driven repayment plan to sign up for, and that's the new save plan. So what's different about the save plan is that they have raised the poverty line, if you will, and so that's what makes the payment lower. So it used to be that unless you had, I think it was around 25000 or so in income, you didn't even make a payment. Your payment was zero. That threshold has been raised up to like 33000 for a single person and then even higher for a married couple and higher if that married couple has children. So again, the financial threshold to have to be making payments has actually been raised to a higher income. So that essentially across the spectrum of incomes makes everybody's payments a little bit lower than previous plans. The second main thing that they've done, which is really powerful for borrowers, not so good for the taxpayer, but for borrowers, what they've done is on the revised pay as you earn plan, let's say that based on your income, your payment on the revised pay plan was $500 a month, but you had 2000 a month of interest accrual right? So $400,000 of student loans. That's my average client. We're a wealth advisor that helps folks with their student loan planning. I own a company called Dental Wealth and Student Loans Rx. And so when we sit down and address this, my average client has $400,000 of student loan debt. Well, that's $2,000 a month of interest at a 6% interest rate, okay? So let's again say your payment's five hundred, dollars but your interest is $2,000. So there's $1,500 of interest left over. And prior to the save plan, if you were enrolled in revised pay as you earn, Uncle Sam would pick up half of that remaining interest. So you'd essentially get a $750 a month interest subsidy. Not too shabby, right? Signed an agreement that said you were going to pay this loan and here was the interest rate. But Uncle Sam is subsidizing that $750 under the revised pay as you earn plan. Now, under the save plan, that $1,500 of additional interest goes away. Now, unfortunately, they didn't go to the next step, which is how do we address principal? But, you know, at least for those early in their career, they don't have to worry about that interest continuing to pile up and building and escalating their student loan balance. So that's the main difference with the save plan is that once you've made your required payment, obviously you have to be enrolled in the plan. Once you've made your required payment under an income driven repayment plan, any additional interest just gets wiped away. Well, thanks for that, because it's always good to know the newest thing, what's going on when these changes take place. So I'm grateful that you could update all of us about that. Now, I have some questions specifically for my listeners, because I find two different types of dentists when I'm working with them. You know, some dentists who are very eager to rid themselves of all of their debt immediately, and they're not interested in knowing what the lowest monthly payment is or what the best rate is. They are completely uninterested in that, and they're ready to get rid of their debt completely. Then you have the other camp who says, well, I think I'm going to keep my debt around, you know, for 20 to 30 years, and I just want to know how to best manage it. What would you say to either dentist in those camps? Should a dentist who's looking to get rid of their student loan debt maybe consider private refinancing, or what do you think about that? Sure. So my first 
selfish comment would be they need to book a consult with me <laughs> because either camp, as in life, when we have extreme views, generally the right answer is somewhere in the middle or it's not on either end of the spectrum. So what we do is we advise clients based on their career goals and their family situation. Okay, not on, I hate having all this debt. That's an emotion. That's not a strategy. Okay, or the other extreme. Now, I'm not an advocate of stretching out payments over 25 years. Okay, that's a hard, fast rule. I think that's ridiculous. It's not responsible. It's not financially responsible because let's say the average dentist comes out with 400,000 of student loan debt. If you stretch that over 20 or 25 years, now you've spent $800,000 on your dental education. And I can provide those numbers. I mean, that's the way it works out. So that doesn't make sense to me. What makes sense is, okay, where are you in your career? Are you on track to being an owner? Well, we work with several hundred dental professionals all over the country. Just a general rule of thumb, let's say if you're on a production-based agreement with your employer, you might be getting as much as 35% of payout on either collections or production. And so what that means is that owner is taking 65% of your production value. And so it's been my experience is that once someone becomes an owner, they immediately see a pickup in income. And so in my view, the best strategy, one of the best strategies to pay off student loan debt quickly is obviously to boost your income. And practice ownership is a phenomenal way to do that. For those people that are really, really concerned about, you know, I have a, a recent client that has close to 800000 in student loan debt. You know, public service might be a good track for that person to get on. Interest is really important. The interest rate is really important when you have four, five, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000 of student loan debt because, you know, that can continue to eat away and payments that you make over the first 10, 15 years might only go towards interest. This idea of stretching things out for 25 years, that's called the tax bomb strategy. There's some YouTubes on it. And what happens is, is that the folks that are usually advocating that are not financial professionals, okay? They may be okay with putting together a spreadsheet, but what they don't realize is that a lot can happen over 25 years. So let's just talk about one unfortunate example in America today, okay? 50% of marriages end in divorce. So let's say that you're on the tax bomb strategy plan. You're going to pay this off over 25 years. You graduate dental school. You get married. Maybe you're a practice owner. Let's say your spouse is not. And 10 years into the tax bomb strategy, your student loan balance, if you're on the new save plan, you haven't paid down any principal. So it's the same balance the day 10 years later as it was the day you graduated. Now you're going through a divorce. So play that out. How does that work out? Well, first of all, your spouse isn't going to end up with any of your student loan debt. You could have been making payments on your student loans using marital assets in the first 10 years of your marriage, right? And now you've got the same amount of student loan debt as you graduated. I think that's a problem. Number two, if you're an owner, you're probably going to the bank to get a loan to buy out your ex-spouse because in most states, they're going to be a part owner in your share of at least the practice. So your student loan balance is the same. And now you've got more debt because you have to buy out your ex-spouse. And that's a 50-50, at least divorces right now. So that's just one way that the 25-year the strategy is a really bad strategy unless you have this enormous amount of debt, and I'm talking like 700000 or more, and there's no possible way today that you can see yourself making payments to pay that off. You can see I'm pretty passionate about that one because I think a, a lot of people take, get advice off of some YouTuber that says this or that, and it's very harmful. 
Oh, yeah. You need professional insight when you're doing financial planning because we're dentists. We're not financial planners. I always say that. Although I will say for us, for our practice model, we can become owners at like a minimal rate. You know, I advise people who are looking to become a house call practice owner, just work for a year, save up 30 to 50 grand, start your practice. You don't have a payment on it and earn your income that way. So that sounds like a fantastic plan. Big fan of debt freedom around here. But for people who, you know, let's say you did everything you could after dental school, you did not take out your practice loan, you started your practice with cash, you are a full-time house call dentist, and you are not looking to be on the 25-year plan, can you talk about the pros and cons of remaining federal, the protections you might get there versus the interest savings you could get on a private loan? Sure. So during COVID, interest rates on private refinancing went as low as 3%. So many of our clients who were in the federal program, even though they were not required to make payments and there was zero interest during COVID, I advised them to refinance at 3% because we knew that we would be making payments for 10 plus, you know, maybe 10 years or something. And eventually COVID was going to be over and rates were going to go back up and whatever. Okay. But right now, to refinance, you're looking at over 7%. So right now, the refinancing marketplace is basically dead, which is why some of the larger refinancing companies, to remain nameless, are actually suing the government over the new save plan. Because the new save plan, essentially, after they make that minimum payment, right, based on their income, there's no more interest. So who in their right mind is going to refinance at 7% with SoFi or another one of these big lenders when essentially the U.S. taxpayer is, is, is basically paying for their interest on their student loans, right? After some small payment. So what I encourage people to do is get settled in your career, you know, build up some emergency savings, stay on that federal program, you know, maybe on that the new save plan for a two or three year period of time, get a good financial foundation in place for you and your practice and your family. And then once you're settling into your career and you've got some discretionary income, which you should if you've got a good budget and you're working with a professional that can help you with retirement savings and emergency savings, all of those things come together and then put together a plan and say, okay, I understand my finances. I understand the practice finances. I can allocate X amount of money now towards student loans and put in a goal and say, you know, I like to say seven to 10 years. That's just philosophically, okay? My very, very first client paid off her student loans in four and a half years, just over 400,000. You met with her right after graduation or from the time they met with you? Well, I met them uh, coming out of school, okay? So yeah, as a D4. We visit, last year we touched about 50% of the dental schools. And as I said, I'm in the the mid-continent dental conference right now in St. Louis, But yeah, I mean, it just depends on kind of what you want to do. Some people get really excited about paying this thing off quickly. And, you know, she didn't go out and buy a brand new car. She didn't go buy a house. I'm glad you're touching on that because I think a lot of the freedom that people seek when it comes to their career or their income comes from lifestyle choices. And here with our practice model and just the people that I I work with regularly who want to become house call dentists, they're definitely willing to sacrifice lifestyle, luxury things for freedom, financial freedom, time freedom. And that seems to be a huge priority here. So I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah, it probably isn't the most wise decision to graduate school with a bunch of debt, go out and finance a new card, finance a new home. So what do you see in your career dentists, the choices that they make? Are they typically overcommitting themselves, extending their lifestyle? Well, so I think there's a lot of pull to do that, right? I mean, if you look at the culture, right? Everybody likes to drive nicer cars than maybe they can afford. You know, so what we try to really do is say, listen, if you're smart coming out of school 
you get a good financial foundation in place. If practice ownership is on your horizon and you, you get into that, you know, invest a couple, two or three years into that before you start loading up on, I mean, you could still take a nice vacation and you can still live in a nice part of town and all of these things. But, you know, home ownership is a lot more expensive than the payment. You know, you've got upkeep, you got to get a garden hose and now all the furniture that you previously owned doesn't look cool in your new house because you've got your nesting going on. And you're not kidding. We just moved into our new house and I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's like my right. first house. I was in a tiny little apartment. Now we're in this big old fixer upper. Right. And so do you feel compelled to put a shelf over in that corner and, you know, the dishes we used, you know, now we want to start maybe doing some entertaining because we got a little more space. So you need more stuff for your stuff. When you have more, yeah, yeah. you got married and now we have double the books. Well, of course, we need a bigger bookcase now. Yeah. And so there's tremendous cultural pressure to just buy things and spend money. But then the other thing is I'm 55, so I'm, I'm looking at this a little bit differently than maybe... I don't know the average age of your audience, but, you know, back in the day, I might have aspired one day to have a house as nice as my parents. But I think today the aspiration for young professionals is I know a lot of young professionals that their first home is nicer than the home they left, that their parents might have worked to build for 20 or 30 years. And so that sometimes is a conversation we have. And then also because you went on to get a professional degree So you add an additional four years of dental school and maybe you went on and did a residency perhaps for a year or two. So now I think sometimes there's this competition between, okay, I went to high school with so-and-so and and they've got a house and, you know, two kids and a boat. And sometimes I think there's maybe a little bit of catch up that sometimes graduates feel that they have, that they're kind of behind the curve in some of that. And so, you know, we're partly helping with finances, but there's some psychology and discussions around those things that I think really come into play in in putting together a good financial plan. Yeah, you mentioned earlier the emotion, people feeling like this emotional burden of their debt and, you know, maybe they want to go all in on paying it off, even if it isn't the wisest financial strategy, or maybe it is for them. But I think it's impossible to think about financial planning without addressing the emotional side. You have to be able to realize that finances and emotions are heavily intermingled and be able to manage the you know math side of things and also the emotional side of things. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, we want to provide the best information available and, you know, the numbers have to align. But to get people to take those steps, I would say, in healthcare as well as in finance, you have to be empathetic and you have to have an understanding of kind of where they are. My wife's an ICU nurse. And, you know, she works with a lot of patients that obviously there's the physical things that need to be taken care of. But in order for them and for their families to do what they need to do, maybe to deal with the physical things, she has to have that empathy and that compassion and be able to meet them, you know, at their level in terms of having those conversations to help guide them to make good choices. Yeah, it sounds like your role and our role are kind of similar. (laughs) We have. We have a lot in common, healthcare providers and financial planners that even, you know, scale it back and think about it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Mark, how can my audience get in touch with you if they have questions about their finances? Absolutely. So they can call me at 314-737-8123. That's 314-737-8123. You can also text me at that number, or you can visit our website at studentloansrx.com. 
studentloansrx.com. Today is our launch of our new brand called Dental Wealth Rx at this Mid-Continent Dental Congress. My uh, website was supposed to be up two days ago for this launch today, and my web designer had some issues with the mobile app. So, But by the time that they listen to this, they could also visit us at dentalwealthrx.com, dentalwealthrx.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for being available to everybody with this information. And I will make sure that we link to all of those sites, numbers in the show notes so that everybody listening can get a hold of you if they need to. Fantastic. I'm really excited about the house called dentistry movement. It sounds very exciting and I'd like to learn more about that myself. Awesome. Well, we can connect again. I'll tell you all about it. We're grateful that you're helping us do it because the truth is house call dentists can only see so many people in a day, right? The income structure is different and that can stress out a lot of people or make them hesitant to take on house call dentistry. But as long as they're able to manage their finances well, this career choice, I think, should keep growing. Yes, that's awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Mark. Have a good day at the conference. Thank you. Thank you so much. He was informative, right? I hope you were able to take away some value from Mark's knowledge and experience. I'm grateful he took this time to speak with us. Life is short, and I want you to spend your time the way you want to spend your time. Financial planning is a part of that, so please take some time to work through a financial plan. Do what you've got to do in order to stay free. It's good for you, your family, and your house call patients. In case you're looking for links to services mentioned in this episode, please check out the show notes at residentialmovement.com. Please also consider supporting patients in need of house calls by visiting homesmilecarefoundation.org. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. I really appreciate you. That's a wrap on this episode of The Residential Movement. If you like what you heard today, please leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you know someone who could benefit from this information, please share this with them. All of these actions help fuel the residential movement. Visit residentialmovement.com for show notes and for access to any links referenced in this episode. Thanks again for listening, Doc. Keep up the good work.